When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Kanem is sacked. Ball is out. Looked like he may have been down. Redskins got on top of it anyway, and it's Linval Joseph who gets the sack. And I think just like what would happen to most of us if Linval Joseph fell on us, that Keenum was hurt on that play. Well, Linval Joseph, a great Viking career, two-time Pro Bowler in Minnesota. Same with Xavier Rhodes, who you can call taking him in the first round. Of the three, the best pick, Sharif Floyd did not work out because of his injury. Cordero Patterson, they didn't know how to use him. And then when they finally did, they got rid of him right after that, mm-hmm. after uh, sort of figuring it out in 2016. And then he goes on and wins a Super Bowl with the Patriots. So the door is shut on the 2013 draft. And to discuss these matters and more pertaining to NFL free agency, our buddy Kevin Seifert from ESPN. What's up, Kevin? Not a whole lot. How are you guys? Oh, yeah. Well, what's great is that there's still a lot up for us. It's just everyone else in the sports world has nothing going on. So um, all of society's eyes are focused on this interview right now. So no pressure for you, Kevin. It wasn't even a cliche answer. There really isn't a whole lot going on. (laughs) No, there's not. Especially your XFL beat, uh, RIP XFL. Uh, Maybe we'll get to that later. Maybe not. Um, Your reaction, though, if I were to give you uh, $18.6 million in cap space and you were the general manager of the Vikings, how would you spend that cap space? Uh, Well, I would uh, hope that I would actually have more than that because I would think that um, this would be the first step in creating uh, more cap space than that. I mean, there are teams with 80-some million uh, many teams with 80 some million uh, in cap space right now. Um, you know, the Kirk Cousins extension decision, I think, really probably moves to the top of the uh, of the uh, of the line for this team. But um, in terms of players out there, like I, because I don't think 18.6 million is necessarily enough to go on any kind of spending spree, and so you'd be looking at waiting until the second or third tier at least. Um, before you start attacking it, but I think most people would agree that uh, the, the the secondary, specifically cornerback, um, after the Rhodes and potential Trey Wayne's departure, uh, is a very high priority. And in my mind, offensive line as well. And so those are the two places that um, 
you know, they've had some success drafting, especially a cornerback, or at least they've, they've had some frequency there. But those are the two places I think that they're going to need to be looking uh, in free agency once the, that first wave goes by. Do you see the Vikings uh, making an early impact move, Kevin? Because I've debated this, and I'm not quite sure. I'm sure that they are going to sign a few guys, and I'm sure that they are going to make moves. I don't know, though, if we see that uh, impact move that we've seen at times before where it's made on the first day and you say, wow. Yeah, I um, I don't think there is. My, my overarching theory on salary cap has always been that you have room for whatever is really, really important to you. So if there were a first day kind of guy, if they, um, you know, if they thought that there was there was somebody out there that they had to go sign, whether it was Byron Jones of the Cowboys or somebody of that layer, and they're uh, and they're looking to, they think that's that'll make the difference in in the defense they played last year and the defense they played this year. Then there are ways from an accounting and salary cap perspective that they could do it, but. In terms of the probably the number of spots they need to fill uh, at different parts of their roster and the intent that they appear to have of really freshening up uh, multiple positions, especially defensively, I don't know that I see a big splash coming just from a you know where they stand uh, perspective. But if they were to be able to do a Cousins extension and create more. Uh, sour cap space, and then maybe that changes the uh, equation. But right now, at least, from a uh, you know step away, it doesn't appear as though they're equipped. So, in some ways, Kevin, I think it might save them from themselves because they are a team that likes to bring in players when they have the money, like Riley Reef. They spent big on, and that one has been yeah, okay. Like he's been an average left tackle over the past few years. That's probably what you thought you were overpaying for at the time. But I just pulled up yeah. a free agent tracker from 2018 that's showing Uh-oh. me where everybody signed, and you know exactly how this turned out. Like Tremaine Johnson, huge deal with the Jets. That one goes bust. Nate Solder has not been any good. Of course, Case Keenum was a prize for the uh, Broncos. At that time, Malcolm Butler to Tennessee has been, what, okay, maybe? Um, Jimmy Graham, that one kind of goes bust. Allen Robinson has worked out pretty well for the Bears. But, I'm, I mean, Muhammad Wilkerson, remember we were talking about that? As, oh, you got to watch out for the Packers. They've got Muhammad Wilkerson now. I mean, yeah. a lot of times these big moves where people spend a lot of money, um, there's a reason why other teams let those guys go, and it oftentimes blows up in their face. So it, it's usually that day four, day five of free agency move that doesn't get a whole lot of run on you know Sports Center or whatever that turns out to be the one that sometimes works out the best. And I think the Vikings should be really focused on those because they just have so many spots to fill. Yeah, the hit or miss ratio of free agency, really going back to the start of free agency, when you measure the, the highest uh, paid deals of any given year is not are not high. I mean, there's there's some good ones out there, and you think of in the big picture the Reggie Whites and the Brian Dawkins. I think going to Denver, and you know, there's uh, there's Chris Long uh, you know, a little more recently. There's there's some guys who have been p- paid pretty decently at at uh, as they've aged and still contributed, you know, remarkably to really good or Super Bowl. Uh, uh, talent uh Super Bowl winning teams and so there there are success stories but um and we say it every year uh the the uh 
the frequency of those are not nearly as high as the frequency of either the bus or the sort of just toe the line like a Riley Reef. Um, you know, he's been a contributing member to a team that's been to the playoffs, but is he one of the, you know, when he was signed, he was a top probably 10 left tackle in terms of payment. Uh, has he played like a top 10 left tackle over the course of his career? Probably not. Um, so that you had, that's the sort of the cost and the tax of free agency. And so I think I agree with you. I, I think that sometimes not having enough space forces you to, to, to look elsewhere and more economically and, and maybe more intelligently at other ways to build up your roster. If it was up to you, Kevin Seifert, would you give uh, Kirk Cousins a contract extension in order to kick the salary cap can and cash down the road? Or would you go into year three and say, it could help us cap-wise, but we don't necessarily want to uh, be stuck with Cousins, and so we're going to see how 2020 turns out, certainly. But after that, make the decision. No, I think they should make a decision now, um, first of all. They've had him for two years. They should know what he is and what he isn't uh, and whether they think they can win with him, the Super Bowl with him or not. I mean, and, and there could be you know reasonable debate on both sides of that. And if the decision is that they're going to move on, then, um, you know, I don't want to say like they, they should look to, or they're not going to resign him. Then, then I'm not going to say they should trade him now, but they should at least make that decision and, and, and go, um, and go forward with it. If they, if they have decided after two years that they think that he's their guy and that he can win them a Super Bowl, then they should do whatever it takes to, to resign him now because it's only going to be probably more expensive next year unless he totally flops, in which case you were really wrong on your assessment and you might not have your job uh, after that year anyway. So I guess I, assuming that you – and know, I've gotten no sense that they've soured on him or that they think that last year was Mirage or anything like that. So assuming that they think that he's gonna, they want him to be their starter, uh, you know, moving beyond uh, the, the season, the 2020 season, then I think that they need to get to work, and I'm sure they are and do everything they can to extend them, not just for salary cap reasons, but for economic reasons as well. I mean, if if they wait till next year, he'll have more leverage and, and it'll only be more expensive. Do you have any type of feel how much the CBA negotiations and potential for 17th game would impact these negotiations? Or like, could they be waiting until the players approve a CBA? And if they have 17 games, then if you're Kirk, of course, your price is, I would guess, going up quite a bit or that there are, I don't know, escalators in there or however these things work. Has that been a conversation around the NFL of waiting to sign contracts until we know if there are going to be 17 games in this huge influx of cash that's on its way? Because I feel like from if I was Kirk, I would be saying, let's just hold on and wait and see see that and also maybe see what Patrick Mahomes signs for. Yep, and uh, you know maybe the Mahomes part is a little bit more of a traditional negotiating thing. You always want to know what the next guy is going to be, and you eventually have to pull the trigger at some point. But I think not only Kirk Cousins, but you know there hasn't been a lot of news in terms of people getting contract extensions, uh, big contract extensions, in these days leading up to free agency. And the CBA is why. And if you're a player, you're and you're smart, you're giving them an impossibly big number right now under the current cap, um, and then. You know, in anticipation of there being a lot more cash um, uh, when when the, when this CBA is approved, if it's approved, and if it's not, it's eventually going to get to a point where you know they they have to they extend it after after this season, and so you'll eventually get to a point where there's probably going to be more money flowing then 
towards players than than there is now. And so there's every reason for him to sit tight at this point. But again, that period is coming to an end pretty quickly, and we're going to know one way or the other. And then movement can potentially start to happen. Two-part question. One, do, do you think that the CBA gets approved by the players in the next uh, few days as they vote? And two, do you think that the owners were uh, just trying to use scare tactics? Or do you think if it is not approved that they really would come back with a worse deal, which is the only way that I could see that, that we have a strike slash lockout down the road, Kevin? Well, initially I wasn't necessarily convinced that they were. this was – you know, really, truly the best deal that, uh, they were gonna, they were gonna give, that the owners were gonna give, and that if they, if the, if it got shot down, that the next one would automatically be worse. And, you know, that, that felt like a traditional sort of negotiating standpoint. There's some people who insist that it really is, you know, there's owners who are like, now, you know, I am not going a step further here. This is the best I'm doing. But I, now, um, and a lot's changed since, since things went to vote in terms of the, the national economic picture. And, um, not just the stock market going way down, but just a lot of indicators that are suggesting that there's some tough economic times to come. And if that's true, then, you know, revenue projections go in a different direction. You know, that your television partners maybe don't have as much uh, to offer. There's all kinds of things that really could be different as a result of this sudden economic situation the country is in. So now, I think that, you know, and, and it's been interesting to hear reports of players wanting to change their votes and you wonder which way they want to change them to. And are they being advised now that the economic situation has changed so much that they should jump on this deal while they, while they get a chance because it really would be worse if they didn't or if that's just coincidence. But it sure seems that like the landscape has changed a lot and that if they do um, uh, vote to turn it down, that it, they might struggle to get back, even get back to the same deal that they originally had. Yeah, it does feel like uh, maybe it's just my sense of it from following some players on Twitter and who gets retweeted, but it does feel like it's sort of edging toward more players are coming out and tweeting their explanations for why they do want it than ones that they don't. I mean, do you do you have any sense of where that stands? Yeah, I, I mean, the, I think it's we. I have a hard time like. Twitter counting and and thinking that that that's representative, you know, right, it's yeah. probably no more representative of what the overall players think than Twitter is of the overall country's ref, you know, <laughs> reflections or belief on any topic, sports or otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's the, there's a small amount of people who are on Twitter relative to the population, and there's a small amount of players relative to the total 2,500 or so that are eligible to vote for this um, that are tweeting their their pros or cons out. So I, I don't, I think, you know, everyone you talk to thinks it's really a 50, 50 likelihood that, you know, whether it's going to get passed or not. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but there's everyone has heard from the extreme people on either side, which is not unusual in any kind of voting situation, but there's really that the majority middle of guys that are, you know, silent and maybe, you know, we don't even know if they're going to vote, you know, just it's all kind of electronic and you have to hope that they, the people, you know, go in and, and do the voting. And so if there's 2,500 eligible and only the extremes are voting, then who knows where it's going to go, you know, and who knows what those people in the middle really think about it and uh, if they do vote. And so that's why everybody's really kind of on edge that they feel like it's a, you know, you know, the NFLPA leadership feels strongly about it or else they wouldn't have 
recommended, you know, signing it. But um, I think people are pretty on edge and really want to see what the final result's going to be. Kevin, before we let you go, I have to ask about the XFL. Is it done? Okay. Is it dead? Is it coming back? Yeah, will, uh, it, will it ever return? Will I ever see my Houston Roughnecks again? Well, uh, the head coach of the Houston Roughnecks, June Jones, is already on record saying he thinks they should go to the White House because they finished 5-0 and they were the pseudo-champions <laughs> uh, of the XFL, so he's expecting a White House invitation. Uh, he had a, a funny video about that. Um, you know, I, I have always felt like they've been on a long-term um, uh, curve. I mean, they spent two years in, you know, quote-unquote product development. So they that's two years put into it. And so to kill it after a half a season would not seem, you know, likely and would not reflect the amount of money they've already invested. So, you know, I, nothing's for certain. But I, as far as I know, they have every intention of, of continuing on. Um, they're paying their players through the rest of the season, um, and and they've given the stars that emerged out of those first five weeks the chance to sign now with NFL teams if they want, instead of having to wait till uh, the pseudo end, you know what the end was going to be for the XFL. So I have every reason to think right now that it'll be back in 2021. I don't know that we saw proof that it can work on a long term basis over those five games, but I also don't think that given the investment that they made, that they're prepared to um, to trash it after half a season. You know, my one suggestion, if Vince McMahon or Oliver Luck call, which uh, or they could podcast the show, my one sure. suggestion is that they should try to get more P.J. Walkers. Like, look for yeah. quarterbacks who never got their shot, but are really good athletes, guys who came out of college who they tried to make into wide receivers or something but wanted mm-hmm. to go to the XFL instead. The Matt McGloins were just dreadful yeah. to watch in this league. But if you have really great athlete quarterbacks, if Tyson Hill or whatever, the version of him became a quarterback in the XFL and you saw teams putting up 30, 40 points all the time because of that, it might get the interest because you might think, hey, maybe our XFL quarterback could be super fun to watch and then end up in the NFL. Yeah, and they, I think they had the critique of the game right, which was, the entire quality of play, well, not the entire, but the majority perception of the quality of the play in the league is going to depend on the quality of the quarterbacks. And so they really, I mean, whether they made the right decisions on them, they, they really prioritized from their, whether it was payroll or just their initial negotiations with people, getting at least one, you know, above average, at least for their league, quarterback per team. Mm-hmm. And they missed on a few. You know, like McGloin was one of them. Uh, Landry Jones, I'm not sure. You know, he'd had some good numbers, but you watched him and he looked like he was, you know, a little bit too old to be out there. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the P.J. Walkers of the world are out there. Uh, and I asked you know, I asked Oliver Luck about it a couple of weeks ago, the last time I talked to him, and he said, you know, it could. they made it a priority. Um, and every, you know, quarterbacks are not easy to find. I mean, you're not going to have a hundred percent, uh, you know, hit list, whether you're the NFL or any other league. And, um, but they will continue to make that priority because I think if nothing else, that league proved how much a quarterback can affect quality of play and thus the perception of the entire league 
um, relative to the other players. Yeah, I thought when you watched the good games with the good quarterbacks that there was a high entertainment value, and I like some of the things they did, and I hope it comes back. And I also hope that you come back again soon, Kevin. Thanks for uh, <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, thank you. I'm a professional. Um, so yeah. they, uh, I, I really appreciate your time and, and good breakdown, and uh, stay coronavirusless if you can. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Yep, see it. Kevin Seifert there, ESPN. Um, real quick on the XFL. I also think that if uh, they put a little more effort and investment into making like a weekly XFL type of show, like a dramatic type of... XFL films. XFL films, sort of mm-hmm. behind the scenes of the XFL. They have the resources to make it amazing. And I've been watching on Netflix... The uh, show Cheer. Have you ever heard of the show Cheer? No. It follows around. It's a documentary crew that's following around the number one cheerleading squad in the nation. That is a small junior college in Texas. Okay. And they every year go to this huge competition in Daytona Beach. And they usually win, but they have a rival that's really good, too. And the behind-the-scenes stuff. This is cheerleading, okay? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care about cheerleading in general. I have seen the competition before. But it's not something I follow closely. Uh, It's amazing. It's super dramatic. It's incredibly in-depth. It's with the coach and the players. And you learn about the players. And I want to know how this turns out. So it's I think it's already happened in the competition that they would have been in. Basically for for cheerleading squad. It's so dramatic. It's so raw. It's so good. What Hard Knocks became was very sterile. Very much like... Right, but it started off a house of fire. Yeah, exactly. It's a great idea. Exactly. And that's how this cheer documentary is, or documentary series. If they did the same thing with Hard Knocks, where... It was, or with XFL knocks, and they went behind the scenes and really gave you the real deal of football. Right. I think people would be interested. That would be the other way I would go, other than let's put some athletes at quarterback to make this thing fun. The key thing, I, I think, in the type of show that you're talking about is to find one or two people as well who are really flamboyant and fun. Yeah. Because hard knocks was make fun. Why? Zimmer in Cincinnati was yeah. great. Boudreaux on, on the uh, hockey equivalent yes. of the Winter Classic show, right? So if you can find one or two coaches who's just a total character, that can make the whole thing. Yeah. Same for quarterbacks or players. And in football, there's just a never-ending supply of them. It's how much do you want to show them. And with Hard Knocks really sanitizing the thing and you know what I don't get? it down, it's not as good. What I don't get about leagues like um, the XFL, and the XFL is not completely guilty of this, but they are in a few cases, why do they ever play in big stadiums? Yeah. Like the soccer I stadium idea I like, yep. but I've never understood why these leagues that are upstarts, that it, they're up against it financially from day one, why they're going into National Football League stadiums. I think one thing that they have going for them with the XFL is financially they're not up against it. That the guy who is the main investor is worth so much dang money sure. that even if he loses... A hundred million dollars in the first year, which would have taken the AAF and shot it into the sun and disintegrated it forever, which is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's okay to lose money to try and build this thing. And I actually thought they got off to a good start. It was clearly fading in terms of fan interest, which is what all those leagues do every time. It starts out high and then it drifts. Week one, slow. AAF, and that's that's my point though. If you stick with it though, yeah, and it's coming back year after year, and 
we see some players go from there into the NFL mm-hmm. that you might have a little bit more consistent interest. And if you can count on consistent interest, then you can have a TV deal. They have the deals now, which read to me basically like, yeah, we'll put you on the air, but you know, we're not going to pay you huge dollars and to that, have it. And that's the point of, of going into smaller stadiums then so that the cost yeah. of putting on of turning on the lights for the game is not that much. Correct, yeah. And I think the AAF really hurt itself those guys, and so did the UFL that way. Yep. The one thing th- those guys don't want to do is go from a starting point of year one, huge financial losses. Mm-hmm. I think they expect to lose. It's just the price tag. And if you take a bath, which... We, all these leagues start off week one, ratings through the roof, football is still on, and then to your point, they start to see the product and oftentimes the quarterbacks and say, oh, okay, I'm out now. But if you're playing in a smaller stadium where it doesn't cost that much to play the games and they're telecast, I think that gives you at least a fighting chance to get your product some footing. Because that's the problem, right? Week one is great, and then it sort of goes downhill and your footing disappears. Yep. Yep. That's right. And then you don't have the ratings and then everyone starts talking about how you don't have the ratings and it's weird that that matters to some people in terms of whether they watch it, but there's a psychological effect of people thinking, eh, nobody cares about the XFL, so I'm not going to bother. Not, I love it. So I'm going to watch no matter how many other people are watching. Absolutely right. There's this, and it works for all sports. Oh, everybody's going to see this player at this place. I guess I should go too. And um, it's, you know, a fun part of sports is getting behind things that get randomly and suddenly popular. Mm -hmm. But usually it's the opposite effect for the XFL. So I hope it works out that they do stabilize next year. The football was very good overall, too good at some positions on defense, which made it hard for offenses. But if you watched any of the Houston Roughnecks play, and I know I'm like deep in the weeds here and we've got other things to talk about. Or um, a shirt? No, I didn't buy any gear. But... uh, if you if you watched PJ Walker play, it was super fun. I heard it was he was great. really yeah. good. I, I didn't and watch him play, but I heard it was great. I guarantee you, he's on an NFL roster in training camp. PJ Walker will be for sure. That he's going to be somebody's backup because of the way he played. So we'll see how it Kirk works. Kirk Cousins, out. maybe. But uh, but I mean, I would advocate it. I don't think he's a Cousins like. Kirk Cousins wouldn't like that. Though. No, I don't think so. Too much competition. A for guy him. that's too fun. I don't think he cares about that. Kirk? I thought the Vikings purposely didn't sign a CFL guy because they, they were afraid. No, 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 the no, guy, no, 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 no. That, that's not true no, now? You've got that backwards. What happened was the CFL guy went in and told Spielman that he was going to compete yeah. with Kirk. Yeah, I well, like that. Well, so he went, well, of course. I like the bravado. But you're not, though. You're not going right, to compete but I want, with Kirk. But I want you to think job. that. But I want you to think that yeah, you're going but, to. But that would be like going... I'd say yes. That would be like going into a grocery store or something, and you, they say, like, uh, okay, you're qualified to be the guy who pushes the carts. I'd you're say, like, no, I want to cut the meat. You're going to be like, no, it's more like saying I'm going to be the CEO of the company. I'm like, yeah, this isn't a job application for the CEO of the company. Head cashier. <laughs> head cashier. That's what I want. I want the head cashier job right now. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the Vikings suddenly have cap space. How will we spend it? Let's discuss further when we return here on Purple Daily. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade in the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind available right now on the Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.